I'm, I'm Lewis Lovett. I'm a, I'm a hash browns guy, and I would go d uh, covered, smothered, diced. That's who I am. That's how I roll. If that's not you, that's fine. I still think we can be friends. Um, I, I'm really glad to have you here. As, as things pick up here, full week three of, of full weeks of classes, uh, your, your plates are filling up. And so it's, it's really remarkable that you're here. I love getting to, to see you. I love getting to hear your voices uh, as we sing together. It's a, it's a joy to get to be with you. Um, and RUF really is, is a community. We're, we're a community that um, is seeking to, to understand and to receive and experience the love of God for us in Christ Jesus and is seeking to uh, extend that love and respond to that love by loving one another uh, and loving our campus. And so uh, I'm really glad that you're going to be part of that for, for this evening. We're, we're talking about community this semester. We're doing a thematic series where we're looking at different passages in the Bible about community. We talked our first week about how uh, the community of God is a Christ-centered community. And um, th this, this week, or sorry, last week we talked about the mission of the community of God, that the mission of God's people is to be a blessing to the world. And tonight we're going to talk about what is another central aspect to being a part of God's people, and that's that we're a repentant community. And so we'll get into to, to what that means. But I, I want you to know that when I say community, uh, that exists in all kinds of expressions. And we've, we've talked already, and you've heard from, from Michael, about the church as an expression of the community of God. RUF is a community of God. These are things that we want to be about, that we need to grow in, and that we want to embody as a witness to God's love in the world. So with that in mind... We're looking at Psalm 51, um, if you have your Bible or it's printed. The Psalms are in the very, this is almost the very middle of the Bible is Psalm 51. So if you can turn there easily uh, to find the Psalms, always in the middle. But this is Psalm, Psalm 51. This is a Psalm that is uh, written by King David, who is sort of the greatest of the Old Testament kings of the people of God, the community of God, the nation of Israel. Uh, and David, to give you a, a, a little bit of context, this is, um, this is a prayer that David, that David writes uh, after he has been confronted with what is probably the worst sin and mistake he's ever committed in his life. And if you're not familiar with the story of David, he, um, he has eyes for a married woman named Bathsheba. And uh, he makes her come to him, and he sleeps with her. And then in order to marry her, he has uh, her husband murdered. So uh, I don't know how you're coming tonight and how you're thinking about the good and the bad things that you have done, but I want you to, to hear that the Bible is a story of people who have made some of the worst mistakes and done some of the worst things you can imagine and who follow a God who is overwhelming in grace and mercy. So I want, I want you to hear that as we come to this from Psalm 51. Uh, please read along with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. 
Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good in Zion and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray and we'll jump in. Lord, I'm thankful for this evening and I'm thankful for this call of our community and of every community that, that follows you to be a people of repentance. We need your help. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be at work through this word right now in our hearts that we might know you and love you more and love one another. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, my dog, Pippin, was sprayed by a skunk in my backyard. Uh, I take him out uh, sort of at the end of the night before I go to bed around 9 or 9.30 each night, and uh, he doesn't like going out in the dark by himself. He needs his daddy to go with him because he gets nervous. So we walk to, the, to my backyard, and uh, we're kind of in the top area of my backyard, which, which slopes down towards this creek, and uh, I'm waiting for him to go so I can go inside and go to bed. And he's just sort of getting distracted, and all of a sudden he looks, and he just takes off full sprint down towards the creek. And uh, this Lexington, Virginia, so, I mean, there's deer in my backyard. I live in the city, by the way. There's deer. There's rabbits all the time. There's a groundhog that lives under the bridge that goes across a creek in my backyard. And I'm just assuming that he has seen a rabbit or something, and he's chasing it. And so as I walk down to Pippin to, like, try to get him back towards the house so he'll go to the bathroom so I can go to bed, this, this wave of smell crashes over me. And, and it's a little confusing because the, the smell that I first experienced, it was as if I was, like, taking a bathtub in minced garlic. Uh, that's what it smelled like. It was not readily apparent to, to me what was happening. And, and uh, not to get too technical, but there's actually three different types of skunk spray uh, that happen. But um, that's not important to, to Psalm 51. But <laughs> there, there's this one kind, and it, it doesn't smell because these, uh, the oils in the spray, they kind of change as they become less dense. And so it wasn't until a few minutes later when I had them back on my, on my back porch that that, that odor started to, to change and, and where it became uh, unmistakable that it was the smell of the spray of a skunk. And um, it just felt like it was everywhere. And in that moment, I, I just had like one thought. How do I get rid of the smell? It's the only thing I was thinking about. When, when we come to, to Psalm 51, we come to, to a psalm and to a prayer for a community of people from a person who, who, who is in a situation where he is thinking about one thing. How do I get rid? And not, not of the the stench of a smell, but of the foulness of sin. What do I do about this? I'm overwhelmed with the foulness of my sin, of my brokenness, and I've got to get rid of it. And, and, and Psalm 51, it, you know, when you come to the Psalms, I just want just to remind you, maybe you don't know this, but the, the, the Psalms were the hymn book of the people of Israel. So these are songs. So these are not just uh, meant for individual use, although they are a beautiful thing to use for individual prayers. But this is given to the community to be sung together. So this is, as a community, something that we're addressing. What do we do when we have that experience of the foulness of the stench of our sins that we want to get rid of? And, and I know not everyone here tonight is, is a Christian, so you may not know what I mean when I say the word sin. Uh, it's probably a word that... Um, we think about lots of different things. We think of the word like sin. But, but to think about sin is the way the Bible describes it begins with our understanding of, of who God is. 
It begins with an understanding of God as this personal being who is perfect and infinite in goodness and perfect and infinite in love and who by the perfect and infinite power that he has made the whole universe. And it's important that we start there because it means that all of the universe belongs to him. And he makes uh, all of the world and sort of the, the pinnacle of his creation, if you go back to Genesis and Genesis 1 and 2, is uh, a man and a woman, is mankind. And, and the Bible says that they were made in God's image. And what that means is that they are a reflection of this goodness and love and power of God. And they are intended to, and they are actually commanded to extend that goodness and that love to the world around. That's kind of what we talked about last week, that God has blessed us in order that, that we might be a blessing to all the families of the earth. That's what he said to Abraham in Genesis 12. And so we sin when we replace God's ways of goodness and love with our own ways. We sin when we say to our king and creator, no, not what you want, but what I want. We say the opposite of what Jesus said the night that he was betrayed before he was crucified. He said, Lord, not what I want, not what I will, but what you will. That's what we do the opposite. We say, God, I, I don't want your ways. I want to follow my ways. That's, that's what I mean when I say sin. It's that turning away from God and, and turning towards our own ways. And, and Christians take sin really seriously. And I think that if there's one thing that you hear tonight, I, 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 want it to, I want it to be this, that the people of God, and I, and I long for this to be more and more expressed in this community and in all the communities of faith, are, are not communities that think they are better than everyone else. They are not communities that think they have it all together. They're actually the communities that because of our understanding of how good God is and because of our honest look at our own lives, actually take really seriously the weight of our own brokenness of our own failure, of our own weakness, of our own sin. We take it really seriously. And we are free to take it seriously because we also take really seriously that infinite goodness and love of God whose mercy covers us. That's what we're talking about tonight, okay? And, and what, what David does in this psalm is, um, he says in, in, in verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. He, he's comparing himself and his sins to a, a foul garment that needs to be washed. That's my dog. This thing that has become foul and in need of, of washing. Do, do, do you know that feeling as you think about your own heart and life uh, of that feeling of foulness and, and a desire to be made clean, to be renewed, to be forgiven, to, to have a clear conscience? Do, do, you, know, do you know that feeling? I, I know you know that feeling. Th this, is that, this is that feeling you have after you like kiss somebody at a party and you don't remember who it was. This is, this is that feeling you have uh, when, you, when you take things further with your boyfriend or girlfriend past lines that you swore you would never cross. This is that feeling that you have when you, when you give in to that sin that you've been fighting for year after year and you can't quite get rid of it and you mess up again. This, that, that's that feeling. It's a feeling that the Bible knows all about. And it's, a, and it's a feeling that is addressed and that we actually can address as a community with God because he's so good to us. That's what David was feeling when he wrote this psalm. He had just been confronted. He had just been called out for the worst thing that he had ever done in his whole life. And he writes this. And so what I want to do is I want to look through this because here's what God invites us and here's what God teaches us through Psalm 51. First, that the community of God is aware of the weight of our sin. We become aware. 
Second, that the community of God wants to be made clean. And third, that the community of God worships Jesus because he has done it. Okay? He makes us aware we want to be clean and we worship him because he has done it. So first, Psalm 51 helps us. God invites us to be aware. And, and, and it grows our awareness of the, of the weight of our sin. Uh, I, I've, I've said this again, but I really want to really hone in on this point that sin is not just like a thing. Sin only exists in our relationship to God. And it is when we, we break against our relationship with God, when we replace his ways with our, our ways, that, that we sin. And, and if you think of God as a king, and you think about uh, some olden uh, medieval movie or something like that, and you think about someone who has betrayed the king, it's a, it's a capital offense. Treason against the king is a capital offense. And, and, it's, and that's the way that David is talking. It helps us understand the weight of our sin, of the reason that sin is such a big deal is because it's committing cosmic treason against the king of infinite goodness and love. That's why it's such a big deal. And, and look how aware David is of, of, of the weight of this. Uh, in verse 1, he pleads for mercy. Verse 3 says, I know my transgression, my sin is always before me. I wish I could say that in honesty. Verse 5, I, I was born into sin. It, like, it covers his whole life from beginning to end. Verse 14 says uh, that he feels his, it's this word, blood guiltiness. That's something I've done that's so bad that the thing it deserves is for me to have my blood shed. It's a capital crime. And he gets to the core of it really in verse 4 when he says, Against you and you only have I sinned. Now, our, our sins uh, always affect other people, right? <laughs> or they often affect other people. But the reason they're so weighty is because they are a rejection of this good and loving and powerful God. The, the king who we belong to, who we owe our allegiance to because he made us, because he built the whole universe by the word of his power. Psalm 51 makes us re-aware of our condition. We are people who have sinned. We are people who have fallen short. We are people who have failed. And it's really important for the community of God's people to remember this. Because this is the thing that prevents us from pride, and from vanity, is a recognition that we are a people who have fallen short and have sinned. That's who we are. Uh, some of you are, uh, are maybe feeling like you could say this. Like maybe you're kind of having the week where you're super aware of your sin and you're feeling really bad about it. And maybe some of you are, are thinking, you know, I, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm like a pretty good person. The, the way that I like to best avoid feeling aware of my sin is by comparing myself to other people. I love doing this. Here's, here's what it looks like. Uh, I mean, I know I'm not perfect, but look at what that person's doing. At least I'm not doing that. At least I'm not misbehaving like that. At least I'm not treating women like that. At least I'm not talking like that. And, and there's always someone who we can look to and we can judge and we can see as worse than us. But this is a, a call to, to look at ourselves first as individuals and as a community and recognize, yes, we are sinners and it's a big deal because we transgress the ways of this good and loving and powerful God and all his perfection. I, I, I want to I say it again. The community of God, and that includes what RUF is as the expression of community of God, is not a community that's better than everybody else. We actually want to be and aspire to be a kind of, the kind of community that takes 
our brokenness more seriously than the world around us because we know how good God is. And so we know how big a deal it is that we sin against him. It makes us aware of, of our sin. But, but the beauty of Psalm 51 is that it also makes us aware of the mercy and the goodness and the love of God. This is actually not a, a psalm of despair. And the point of Psalm 51 and the point of talking about sin is not to make you feel bad about yourself. It is to point you towards the loving and gracious arms of Jesus who died for you. That is the reason that we are talking about, about sin. He says this, Have mercy on me, God, according to what? Your steadfast love. Have mercy on me, God, according to your steadfast love. David knows that um, even though he has done something that is uh, more egregious and darker and more evil than probably anything any of us have ever done, seduction, adultery, murder. He knows that God's mercy is so big that he still belongs to him. He knows that God's love is so great that he's still God's child. He knows that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, that his mercies never come to an end. Verse, verse 12 has this line that I, that I love, and this has become a, a thing that I've prayed a lot. And this is something that, that Tim Keller says that Christians should pray often. It says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And I find that to be a really remarkable thing to happen in a psalm that's talking all about how bad of the sinners we are, that he's praying for joy. And, and I want to remind you that one of the things that God longs to do for you and for us as a community is to give us the repeated experience of the freedom and joy and peace that comes when our sins are forgiven. God longs to give you that experience. And he actually longs for you when you experience sin and come to him to feel joyful. And I think we, if you're like me, you have yeah, kind of a problem with this. Do, do you know that feeling of uh, like because of what you've done or because of the kind of week you're having or the thoughts in your head or the things you've been looking at that you don't really feel like praying is appropriate? You don't really feel like you want to come to RUF that week. You don't really feel like you should, you're going to get up and show up at church because you just feel kind of funky. Jesus died to save sinners like that. It is not presumptuous for you to come to Jesus and experience the joy of forgiveness. It's obedient. He's inviting you to come to him again and again because of his steadfast love. The community of God is a community that's, that's aware. It's, it's aware of our sin and it's aware of how great God's love and mercy is. That's the first thing. The second thing tonight uh, is that the community of God longs to be to be clean. In, in January 2004, I was, a, I was a sophomore in college, and uh, I went on a, a Knowles course. It's the National Outdoor Leadership School, which maybe, maybe you've heard of. And, and I spent uh, 23 days in the, uh, the, the Baja Peninsula uh, desert in Mexico. Uh, 23 days uh, in the desert, 23 days in and out of salt water, 23 days hiking in the hot sun, 23 days sleeping outside. Uh, I had a uh, two short sleeve shirts and one long sleeve shirt. So like laundry was dip your shirt in the ocean and hang it out to dry and then wear it while it's still wet the next day. And, and I got back and we got back to the kind of base camp and into town and we're getting ready to have dinner and uh, we're gonna get our first shower in 23 days. And, and we're, we're funky. 
We, like, we smell really bad. And you get to a point where um, when, you're, when you're smelling bad, where you, you're aware of it, and then you get to a point where you kind of don't pay attention to it anymore, and then you get to another point where you're aware of it again, okay? And, and we're at that point, and we're trying to figure out who's going to get first shower. This is a pretty rudimentary facility in, in the middle of the desert. And they've got these, uh, like, sun-heated canvas sacks of water. Uh, the, the place we were was a, was, a natural protect, was a natural wildlife protection area in Mexico, which means that you cannot leave uh, any sign of your presence anywhere that you go, okay? Uh, I'm going to try to get real with you here for a second, okay? That means that even when you have to go to the bathroom, you can't leave it there. And we had these things called wag bags, and, and a wag bag is a... Are you with me? You hang with me? Hang with me. A wag bag is a, is a small plastic bag with basically like kitty litter inside of it. And you have to go in this wag bag and we would tie them up and then we would put them in these like big um, like canvas rubber sacks. And those wag bags, which are biodegradable, sat in those sacks in the desert for three weeks. And we got back and our, our instructor said, okay, whoever, uh, whoever's gonna throw out the wag bags and clean out the sacks, they get for a shower. I, I was so dirty, I raised my hand, and I cleaned those out so I could get first. That's, that's how desperately I wanted to be clean, okay? That's how desperately David wants to be clean. He has this overwhelming, urgent need to be made whole, to be washed, to be white. It's not just that we're aware of our sin. We're not satisfied with that. We're not just saying, well, it is what it is. We want to be made clean, he says this in verse 2, wash me, cleanse me. Verse 7, he says, purge me with hyssop. Wash me so I can be white as snow. He says in, in verse 10, create in me a clean heart. And, and, and I, I hope we can pray these kind of things. I hope we can learn to have this sense that we're not just satisfied with being broken people. We actually want to be made clean because we care about how we are with Jesus. We care about our connection with him. We care about our intimacy with him. We care about our own conscience because we matter, because we're made by him and we're his children. The people of God, the community of God is not just okay. We're not just fine with it. We actually want more. We actually want to be made clean. Uh, I, I said that Psalm 51 is not a, is not a psalm of despair, uh, even though it does lead us to feel the full weight of our, of our sin. It leads us to feel the the foulness that leads to that urgent, desperate desire to be, made, to be made clean. But it's not a psalm of despair because, uh, you know, David says the steadfast love of God. The good news for you and I who know the gospel of Jesus Christ is that these, this prayer has been answered. This prayer to be washed, this prayer to be cleansed, this prayer to be made clean, it's been answered eternally and infinitely with a yes in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your prayers to be made clean, God says, yes, I have done it. He's already done it. He's already made you clean in Jesus. That, that, that's why you get to keep having joy even when you've had a, a really rough night. You've been made clean. That's why it's not presumptuous to ask for your sins to be blotted out. They have been blotted out. God has done this because he loves us. And what happens on the cross of Jesus Christ is that every terrible thing you've ever done, every mistake, every regret, every shameful thought and action and word 
is removed from you. The Bible says it's been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. It's been taken off of you and put onto Christ. And so that blood guiltiness, that thing that deserves the shedding of blood, it really does deserve the shedding of blood. What you and I have done, and blood has been shed. That's the goodness of God for sinners. And so we worship. That, that's our testimony, is that we worship the God because he has made us clean in Jesus. He has renewed us with the right spirit in Jesus. He has enabled us to walk in his ways because of Jesus. And so Psalm 51 points us to worship. That, that's really what worship is. Worship is the, is the declaring to God and to the world that we are sinners who've been made clean in Jesus. That's what worship is. That's what we're doing when we sing. Declaring to God and to the world that we are sinners who've been made clean in Jesus. That's, that's the testimony of the community of God. That's the thing that we're about. God is good. We have sinned. But he has cleansed us. He has forgiven us. He's made you white as snow. Do you feel white as snow? You are, if you know Jesus. Not just you're white as snow, unless you've done some of the really bad stuff. David is white as snow in this prayer. Not because of him, but because of the steadfast love of God. The, I, I want to read these last few verses again, because this is really sort of the takeaway of the kind of, the kind of thing we want to be about as a community. I'm going to read starting in verse, 15, sorry, verse 14 again. It says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, this is all praise language, right? And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. And then this sacrifice talk, this is, all, this is worship too. Right? The people of God, sacrifice was a part of their worship. You will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God, meaning true worship of God, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. A contrite heart. Contrition is the humility that knows that you have been saved and it wasn't you. It was God. It was all him. The humility of knowing that we are a broken people, a sinful people who have been redeemed by God. There's no room for vanity when someone else saves you. There's no room with, for, for pride when you haven't done it, someone else has done it. And so the, the, the hope and the invitation of this psalm is for us to be formed more and more by the gospel of Jesus Christ into a contrite people, into a humble people. And so I want you to think about the way you interact with others. I want, to, I want you to think about the way, you, the way you think about other people when you see them at a party or when you see them in class or when you see them in D-Hall. I want you to think about the way that you consider yourself compared to them. And I want you to remember that you are a broken person who's been redeemed by this good and loving God who's your king. That's who we are. That's our identity. It, it turned out that uh, even though my nostrils were like filled with the smell of the garlic and then the more skunky odor, uh, he, did it, he didn't get me. The skunk didn't get me. He just got Pippin. And, and, um, and Pippin doesn't know how to Google anything. And Pippin is not able to uh, like make a mixture of dish soap and hydrogen peroxide and baking soda. Uh, I am able to do those things. And so I, I did the Googling and I made the mixture and I brought my foul and reeking dog outside 
and I rinsed him off, and I scrubbed him clean. And I scrubbed, and I scrubbed, and I scrubbed, and I scrubbed. <laughs> Trying to get that foul and stenchy oil from that skunk off of him so that he could be clean. What we need is far more. <laughs> we don't just need a, a shower, right? That central to, to our existence is this rejection of God, but God has done it. He has done what we couldn't do on our own. He's made us clean. And so I want you to go tonight in, in, in the good news that you were lost and now you've been found. That you were blind, but now you see. That you were dead, but now you're alive. That you were dirty, but now you're clean. And it wasn't anything that you did. It was all what Jesus did because of his goodness and because of his love. I, I've titled this sermon a, a repentant community, and I haven't really used that word repentance much. I'm, I'm closing now. Uh, repentance is the, um, if sin is the turning away from God's ways to follow our own ways, repentance is the turning away from sin back towards God. And, and one of the reasons that, um, that I really love going to church is because what we do at, at church, we do something that um, happens nowhere else in any other community in the world. That every single time we get together, all together, we publicly acknowledge that we need to be made clean. And we are reminded, after we do that, that God loves us and forgives us. We call it confession of sin. And what we're actually going to do together here tonight, and Josh, will you get that going for me, please? Uh, we're actually going to practice this uh, tonight. We're going to do this together. Um, and, and what I want you to do is I want you to be, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to read something together, uh, a confession of sin together, out loud, all together. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave about a minute, like one minute. And, and this is a chance uh, for you to uh, silently in your own heart talk to God and be honest with him about your awareness of the weight of your sin and the places where you need to be made clean. And I'm going to make you wait there for one minute, and then I'm going to immediately declare the goodness and the mercy of God. And, and I want to I remind you that as we, as we think about our walk with God as a community and as individuals, this is something that God invites you to do regularly and even daily, and maybe even all throughout your day, when you become aware of your sin and your need to be clean. You don't need to be ashamed about this. You actually invited. Uh, the Hebrew says we actually can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Because the one who sits on the throne is full of grace and mercy. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end.